You've heard me mention before the beautiful ministry that God has brought to us in the time of coronavirus through our online streaming. And we thank you that you are all with us. And praise be to God that he's brought many non-Catholics to this site as well. Many of them come inquiring, many come to criticize. And one of the fine things or common things I find is saints are dead. You keep praying to the saints, you crazy Catholics. They are dead. They don't hear anything. Why do you pray to Mary? She's dead in the ground. Well, Jesus wouldn't let Mary's body be dead in the ground to be food for worms. This is the, this is the womb that brought the God-man into the world. So we know that they are alive, Revelation tells us. Now, I think, and I never hear anybody use this passage as a great example to show the saints are alive, even after they are dead. Here we have Moses. Now, Elijah, of course, was believed taken into heaven before he died and will be part of the fighting the Antichrist at the end of time. But Moses, we know Moses died. It says it in scripture. Does he seem dead here? Does he seem dead that he can't talk? If he can talk to Jesus on the mountain, he can certainly hear our prayers and say, you know, hey, Jesus, uh, you got to help that Father Chris down there. <laughs> he, needs, he needs some help. So, um, you, know, he's, uh, you know, he's getting ahead of himself. He, you, need to, you need to give him better help with some virtue and living his faith better. So, yes, the saints do help us. They are alive. They're more alive than us. As Pashulant Jeff said, they've seen the beatific vision. And so tradition now tells us the story. What's going on here? We are on Mount Tabor, not Mount Hermon. This is where the Protestants always say Jesus was transfigured. Most of all, the things that we know, it's Mount Tabor. And he appears here, as we said, with Elijah and Moses. Now it's interesting, both of those two had experiences on a mountain to know God's will. They both went up a mountain to discern that to discern God's will. Now, Jesus does the same thing. He's ultimately up on Mount Tabor to know God's will. What was, it, what was he looking to, to do? God's will. What was God's will? Go to the cross. And so that's what Jesus is showing Peter, James, and John is a little bit of an unveiling so that they wouldn't be scandalized at the time of the cross. He's giving them a little bit of an unveiling here. And so he basically now is consulting with Moses and Elijah and the Father. And so he's consulting with God, just like Moses did on Mount Sinai. Remember my homily a couple weeks ago talked about Jesus being the new Moses. So Moses went up mountain, consulted with God. Jesus goes up the mountain, consults with God. He's the new Moses. So like Moses, Jesus went to make sure he's doing God's will, the will of the Father. And like Moses, he was illuminated with a great light. Moses was illuminated. His face shined, but Jesus even brighter. Jesus basically did the same thing Moses did in a greater way. He said, Father, what do you wish me to do? Not what we usually say, which is, Lord, this is what I want to do, you know? And so um, uh, these are the things that we don't understand. And so if we do God's will in life, then we will be illuminated with this great light. And in fact, that's how we will be seen in heaven. How you are seen in heaven 
is not how tall or thin or short or fat or smart or whatever you are. How you will be seen in heaven is how much light you bright, burn brightly with. How much you reflect Christ on this earth will give you a certain brightness. So in heaven, everybody will be there, but you will burn with a certain bright light as others will burn with a brighter light or a lesser light. And so the amount of light by which you shine in your face is how much you reflect Christ on earth. And so this is what the light, this is all about the light. Christ, come to the light. So this is what the whole message is here. Um, you know, everyone will be happy in heaven. We've always talked about this because you will be filled to the brim, the most that you can handle. Maybe your cup is only this big, but it'll be full. Maybe your cup is this big, but it'll be full. And this is what's going on. You want a bigger cup? Maybe you're thinking, well, Father, my cup's only this big. I want my cup to be, I want to supersize it. You know how it is? What did Jesus say? If you want to get to heaven, basically, you're going to have either this much grace or you're going to have this much grace. The answer was given to St. Faustina. Jesus told St. Faustina, you want to get to heaven, you need grace. So if you're going to get to heaven and you only have this much grace, hey, praise be to God, you made it. Or you can get to heaven and you can have this much grace. How do you increase that? Jesus gave the answer to St. Faustina. Trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. So if we have this much trust, this is how much grace we're going to get. We have this much trust, this is how much grace we're going to get. Trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. Trust. And what is trust? Trust is accepting the help that someone gives you. And God gives us the help in Jesus, the divine mercy, and Mary, his mother. In Jewish times, this is such an important passage because in Jewish belief, Elijah, let's talk about Elijah and Moses here. Who's Elijah, the prophet? Who's Moses, the law? But this is important to the Jews because in their belief, Elijah would be the herald of the Messiah. What's a herald? Herald, remember the newspapers, the Boston Herald? The herald means to announce. And so Elijah is the herald of the Messiah. He will announce them. And so when the Messiah comes, he would also, Jewish tradition said, be accompanied by Moses. So he would be herald by Elijah and accompanied by Moses. This is exactly what's happening here. And so Christ fulfills this. He's the Messiah heralded by Elijah and accompanied by Moses. And so it is also in many ways like the Feast of Booths. You've heard that. What's the Feast of Booths? They would wait in tents, the Jews again, in expectation of the coming of the Messiah. Now we have it. So this whole thing about it doesn't matter what religion you are, Father. My neighbor's now Buddhist. Um, my neighbor now converted to Islam. My neighbor is now this or that. It does matter because Jesus is the Messiah. And it's in our Catholic faith that it is fulfilled. Even in the Jewish, what God gave to the Jews is now fulfilled through Christ in this Mass. And so the voice of the Father confirms this. How? Because he says who Jesus is. This is a revelation of the Trinity. You know, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. 
Um, one of the letters or one of the online comments we got was from um, an Islamic person. God bless you. I, I, it's wonderful. People are coming here. He says, but Trinity's not even in the Bible. God is one. Allah is one. Well, yeah, we believe God is one. It's not Allah. Allah would never condescend to become one of us. That's a totally different belief. But our God is one. Well, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. Okay. But God just revealed it as Trinity. How? The Father's voice who says, this is my beloved Son, who's just been transfigured, and in the cloud of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is revealed. And that cloud that overshadowed the Son in the same way overshadowed Mary, and in the same way was the pillar or a pillar of cloud that led the Israelites out of Egypt. See how it all connects together? This is our faith. And it belongs with Mary. This is our Catholic faith. And so people don't understand this. You know, like the words at the baptism, the father says, this is my son. But he adds now something new. Listen to him. This is why we just can't do our own thing. Oh, you don't need the church, father. Yes, you do. Yes, we do because Christ speaks through the church he established. This is what we don't understand. And so this is why he did it. And then he, the father says, listen to him to show that this now, this son is greater than all the prophets. We were always to listen to the prophets. And here's Elijah, the greatest of the prophets. And the father says, no, listen to my son. So right here, he's showing he's the greatest of the prophets. And he's not just a conquering Messiah. He brings the new law. So he's greater than Moses. He'll also be the living law, the living Torah, the incarnation of God's word. And so he fulfills the law by being the living word amongst us. This is what we have in our scriptures. And the mass is the living word and the liturgy of the word and the living life of the bread of the Eucharist in the liturgy of the Eucharist. Amazing. All right, so to finish, secularism. The ills of our society today. Well, Father, the Bible doesn't apply because it says, and you've heard me say this before, that we can't eat shellfish or cut our hair or everything. And I've told you before that Jesus has fulfilled all these laws. And he says basically here that the moral law still applies because it pertains to human nature. Now, what do I mean by that? All right. The dietary and ritual laws do not. They don't apply to human nature. You either cut your hair or you don't. That doesn't affect who you are as a human being, although in vanity, don't let it get to you because your hair doesn't look good after your trip to the barber or to the beauty salon. All right. Now, I'm not more or less a human by what I eat. I'm not more or less a human than if I eat shellfish or not. And that's what Jesus said what goes into a man doesn't defile him. It's what comes out. So this reveals our heart. And Jesus brings the Holy Spirit now into our heart more than material things. So Christ led the disciples. Here's the whole meaning of the transfiguration. Not only is Christ revealing himself to the apostles so that they won't be scandalized at the cross, he's revealing something to you. Basically, he's saying, I want to fill the Holy Spirit in your heart. Do you know that this passage began 
that he took him up on uh, on the sixth day. What does it say it here? Um, Brother Jim John's transfigured. Uh, it was on the sixth day, basically, um, is what this says on the in the Bible. Now, why six? Jesus led his disciples up the mountain after six days, it says. So after six days, the Bible tells us, Jesus led Peter, James, and John up the mountain. Why? To show that we must rise above. This is according to the church fathers. I'm not making this up. In seminary, we read the church fathers. And every Saturday, I take you back to seminary. I teach you what the church fathers taught me what my seminary instructors taught me, my priests in, 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 in formation taught me. So the meaning of this is Peter, James, and John are shown after six days, Jesus elevates them up this mountain. Basically, the meaning of the church fathers is after six days, he did this to show that we must rise above the material world that God created in six days. God created the material world in six days. We must rise above it like Peter, James, and John. We must not let our material things control us. What is the definition of sin? It's very simple. Taking your eyes off the creator and putting it on the creature or the created thing. That's all that sin is. Taking your eyes off the creator and putting it on the creature or the created thing. Every time we do that and we put the creature or the created thing ahead of God, we have sinned. And so Jesus is telling us, this is what I need you to rise above. On the sixth day, go up the mountain with Peter, James, and John. Rise up above the material world that God, even God, created in six days to reach eternity. That's the whole message here. It prepares us for divinization. What is divinization? Sharing in the sonship as sons and daughters, sharing in the divine life of God. And how we're going to do it is right here on this altar. This is the whole transfiguration. Jesus is transfigured into the, the life of the Trinity now, or, or unveiling it, and we are transfigured into it. So God does this because he shows his divine nature and his human nature. If he was only divine, he couldn't touch us, so he has to be human. And if he was only human, he couldn't save us, so he has to be divine and human. And that's it, because if he helped, you know, this also helps the apostles prepare, as I said, for the resurrection to help them see the glory through the shame of the cross. You too are called to know that there's a glory at the end of your cross. Your cross may seem heavy. Your cross may be tremendously difficult. But like the apostles, Jesus wants you to see at the end of that cross, is the light of the resurrection beyond the cross. And so our Lord lifts this veil and shows us, and we too can illuminate, be illuminated with God's light. Now, this is the whole message to me. 
So let us, well, not me, the church fathers. So let us be transfigured. And it can start tonight with First Friday. Please join us this evening at 8 o'clock Eastern time. It will be uh, just an hour. Um, we will have um, Brother Ken here with us to be able to give us some music. I will have Brother JP. Y'all love Brother JP. Um, he will be here and he will give about a 10-minute reflection on the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And then we will go through to fulfill the requirements that our Lord asks us to do on First Fridays to make reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Because before we can be transfigured, we have to repent. Repent, ask for God's forgiveness and mercy, then we are transfigured into sons and daughters of God. It's not a difficult plan. It's just a matter of sticking to it. It's like a good football coach. If you just stick to the basics, in high school football, it was simply learning to tackle, tackle properly, to be able to hold the blocks properly, run your routes properly, and you'll do fine. That's all this is, to be able to follow God's plan. And it starts right here on this altar, and it's accentuated tonight on First Fridays. So please join us for both, as we now see our faith as a living faith that will illuminate us for divine life. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.